Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Calling all detectives. A quiet little man is struck on the head and wakes up to find himself in a totally strange world. That is the situation on this page for my casebook. The casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. Some people call a private detective like me, Jerry Browning, an eye. It isn't a good name, because in this business you need double vision. It was a pleasant Saturday afternoon in the park. With no case to worry me, I sat in the sun and watched a bunch of kids play baseball. Alongside of me on the bench, a middle-aged man, gray at the temples and severe around the mouth, was also watching the game. Dear, dear, how roughly they play. I grinned. I wouldn't say that. Boys will be boys. The kid at bent belted the ball straight at us. I yelled to the man alongside, Duck! Ducked all right the wrong way. Took the ball on his temple and fell off the bench. Out cold. The kids took to their heels. And an instant later, I was alone with an unconscious man. While I was still wondering what to do about it, he sat up again. Hey, what's the big idea? Who put the slug on me? Take it easy, mister. There's been a little accident. The man shook his head, sat up. Boy, oh boy. That homemade stuff sure packs a wallop. His eyes narrowed. Who are you? I'm Jerry Browning, a private detective. What's your name? I'm... Hey, I don't know what my name is. Get a load of that. I don't know who I am. When a man sitting on a park bench alongside of me was hit by a baseball, it knocked all knowledge of his identity out of his mind. I guided him to a water fountain, bathed his face, urged him to take a drink. Water? Are you kidding? I'm thirsty, not dirty. <laughs> Get it, pal? Where's the nearest gin mill? I grabbed him as he started to wobble off. Look, mister, a drink is what you positively don't need right now. Come on, try to think what's your name. Joe Dokes. <laughs> if it's a raid, never give your right name. Come on, snap out of it, you still punchy think man. Have you got a family? Family? No siree. I'm as free as the babes and the bees. No wife. His face took on a haunted expression. I'm uh, liable to get hooked any day now. Leapier, you know. I nodded. Said nothing because I wanted to keep him talking. Betty's after me. And she's a mighty determined little flapper. I grinned at his antique slang, then grew serious again. If you remember your girl's name, you can remember your own. Try hard. Think of it. He tried hard. I don't know. I began to lose patience. How about identification? His eyes darted furtively around. Never carry papers. Think I want the feds to get wise? I travel light. Look. He fished in his pocket, brought out a bulging billfold. It was crammed not with money, but cards and envelopes. He stared in disbelief as I read, Harvey Whitcomb, 
Accounting Division, Bering Investment Corporation, 1211 Fletcher Street. Hey, I'm not Harvey Whitcomb. Never heard of the guy. I don't know what I do, but I sure ain't no accountant. He suddenly became aware of his respectable seedy clothes. Seven of five, this ain't even my suit. I gave the wallet back to him. Okay, if you're not Harvey Whitcomb, let's go to this address and find out who you really are. On Saturday afternoon, the only person working at the Bering Investment Company was an elderly female who looked Whitcomb in the eye, insisted he was Harvey Whitcomb, assistant head bookkeeper, and simpered because she thought he was drunk. Whitcomb stared at her, shuddered, and fled. I grabbed him at the elevator. Listen, Brownie, I never saw that beam in my life. A disjoint neither. I took him back to my office. Now look, whatever your name is, you've got amnesia. Probably just temporary, but you need a doctor. No sawbones for me. Take it some other way. Sure, sure, just take it easy. Let's talk about other things like, uh, well, what interests you? Whitcomb grinned. Me? I'm just uh, a, a babbit. Uh, the Olympic Games, the uh, heavyweight champ retiring from the ring, the, uh, the election, no highbrow stuff. That sounded reasonable, considering the man. I was just about to talk about Joe Lewis when Whitcomb said craftily, Hey, eh, where do you stand on prohibition? And uh, what do you figure Ray Count's chances are in a big race? I looked at him searchingly. He wasn't kidding. I picked up my hat. Whitcomb, I don't guess that's your name after all. I don't know what your name used to be, but it should be Rip Van Winkle. Come on. I took him up to the Daily Chronicle office, explained what I suspected to Jim Minton, the managing editor. Together we went to the files. We worked in multiples of four, backwards. 1944, 1940, 1936, 1932, and then I hit it. 1928. That was a year of a presidential election, Bootlegger and girl ambushed by rival gang. Betty Benson, flapper gunmouth slain. Hoagie Wilson seen being taken for ride. The rest of the story was at police headquarters in a file folder yellow with age but still complete. Fingerprints, photographs, and a 20-year-old warrant for Hoagie Wilson's arrest. The same man whose papers now proclaimed him Harvey Whitcomb, assistant head bookkeeper for an investment firm. Mr. Wilson, you voluntarily submit to treatment under truth serum? Yeah. Let's find out who I am and how I got that way. Oh, careful with that needle. Okay, you rats. So you got me. But you can't make me crawl. Go ahead. Shoot. That's all there was to it. 
once the two personalities merged in Hoagie Wilson, Harvey Whitcomb's mind. Somehow, when Wilson came to, he was another man, managed to think of some story to account for his gunshot wounds, and lived 20 years as staid, respectable Harvey Whitcomb. The old warrant against him for rum running had long since expired under the statute of limitations, so he was a free man, and a famous one. He wrote a series of articles for the Chronicle and the newspaper feature syndicate. Rip Van Winkle in modern dress. Made quite a bit out of it. Last I heard of him, he was trying to revive the fad of miniature golf. Like I said, some people lead double lives, but not, as a rule, a whole generation apart. <laughs> 